we look at professional athletes, you look at LeBron James just won, the Dodgers, these guys that are champions, they're getting paid gazillions of dollars because of their skill set. Like bottom line is they're getting paid to perform and to be good at what they do. So are we. What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and of our guests. Today's guest is a brother by the name of Quade McKinnon. He grew up around the fire service, uh, has a father and a grandfather in the fire service, and now he has struck out on his own and has a career that is unfolding as we speak. Um, We talk about that. We talk about so much more. Uh, Hope you enjoy so Quay, we uh, we started talking, and we realized we hadn't hit record yet, and we needed to get moving here. So, um, so we are live now and uh, and underway. So, um, let's we'll have to backtrack and have you introduce yourself. Oh, well, um, Quade McKinnon, I am been with Phoenix Fire Department now for almost four years. I just recently became a paramedic, so I'm. About six months into being a medic. I am married. I have two kids. My wife is due in March with my third. So Numero that's race. Re- yeah. That's, that's re- awesome. That's exciting. Um, I come from a long line of firemen. My, my dad was a fireman on the job for 30 years. My brother's a fireman. And uh, prior to working here, I worked over in a different department, so I kind of one of those transfer guys that came from a da- – I worked for Dallas Fire Rescue for almost three years. So, yeah. That was, that was going to be my follow-up question. <laughs> yeah. How long were you there? So I, I did almost – right when I got hired with Phoenix, I was about to hit my three – like a week away from hitting my three years yeah. with Dallas. So before I came over here to the dark side. Nice. Yeah, come over to the dark side. So I, I did three years in another organization in the Valley here before I came to Phoenix as well. It's I think it really is good to work in another organization. You get some really good perspective. Absolutely. I, I think, uh, and we've talked before, but I, that was the, the thing for me of like, it was, a, it was awesome perspective. And I think that's going to only get it as I go along in my career and, it just was like an eye-opening of how blessed and how great we particularly have it here in the valley. Yeah, and not everybody gets that. Not in a bad way. It's just just a diff. It's just different. And it, you know, growing up with this and seeing this department, it's really it 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 really was the biggest eye-opening thing of like, yeah. wow, we have it really good. It well, so really is. that begs the question though. So you, um, your dad worked here for thirty years. Mm-hmm. How is it that you went? to Dallas. How could you possibly leave us and, and leave the Johnny valley? Dumb, right? You know that. <laughs> well, so I I played baseball my entire life. So I um after high school went to Paradise Valley Community College, played yeah. baseball there and got an offer to play at uh Angelo State, which is a little D2 out in um West Texas. So I Go out there, and I'll be honest. The only reason I went to school was to if there to play baseball, <laughs> and I uh, so it was awesome experience. Got to go there play baseball, and uh, I was out there and thought to myself, "Hey, I I can stay out here the rest of my life." I'm Texas not, is good to you. Texas was good to me. Um, so I 
I was young. I had a kid on the way at the time, and I thought I need to get a big boy job. Yeah, that but, put some pressure on. Well, you. and I was I was really young. I'm like 22 years old. I and you know in my head I'm I mean just out of college, have a kid on the way. So I uh, I decided oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at fire departments in the surrounding area, and yeah. I applied to Dallas and. Um, I got hired. It was. It's a very uh, interesting hiring process. They make you go through civil servant, uh, civil whatever uh, civil service testing civil, board. Type. That testing. Once you pass that, they then make you do a polygraph. You then do an acuplacer test, and then you only get what, hired. What's ba- that? Explain that. So, the best way I can describe it. Do you remember going into college? Like, um, they t- make you take like a like a see where you're at. Oh, kind of like, gauge your gauge, level an of assessment, and you yeah. had to get pretty much like a a quote unquote minimum score, oh. and to to go so, to the so it was like reading comprehension, mathematics, absolutely. and that. And writing. it's and it's like the next level of the civil service. So instead of okay. like being like the cat, you know what I mean? It was like okay, so I I passed that, and you get hired off of one interview, and so you've got all these people you interview. They rank the top. They're going to hire, let's say, f- like, you know, how we do to based on what, what are the needs. So I I placed high enough and got hired. And next thing I knew, I was in the academy there. Nice. So it was, it was uh, I think the funniest thing for me was the polygraph test. So what they ask you? Well, it's funny. So <laughs> I get into this test and I've got this elderly gentleman that, Super nice guy, but he's been, he had told me, he goes, hey, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you these questions. I'm going to do this. Um, I've been doing this like 20 years, so don't be nervous. I've seen everything. There's nothing you can say in this <laughs> that would scare me. And I went. I would think, I would, my, so my, right off the bat, I'm thinking this is a trick. Everything's a trick yeah, here. Well, I did too. Well, and <laughs> here's the thing. So I'm nervous. Like you got to talk, like I've done nothing in my life. I barely even know what alcohol is. Like I'm, <laughs> so I go in there, and he goes, "Okay, so I'm going to ask you your name. You're going to state your name to me, and then I'm going to. There's some base questions. So I'm going to ask you. When I ask you this, you have to quote unquote lie, but you're just you're going to do the opposite based on your levels. You know, they got you hooked up and everything. <laughs> so he goes, "When I ask you, have you ever stolen anything?" You're going to say yes. He goes, you might not have in your entire life, but I need you to always say whenever I throw that question there, yes. I went, oh, okay. So we're going on the thing. He, he goes, he states, okay, what's your name? Hi, I'm Quaid McKinnon. And, you know, I do the thing. And, that's wrong because that's not even well, your real name. Second that's question, a lie. <laughs> second question, he goes, have you ever stolen something? No. And I immediately answer, and he could see his, he rolled his eyes and he goes, Okay. Every time I ask you that question, I need you to say yes. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm right. I'm so nervous. Okay. We go through some other questions. I answer. Ask it again. I go, Have you ever stolen anything? No. And the guy looked at me and goes, You have to say yes. (laughs) And it's just, it was just such a weird test. It's a breach of my integrity right off the bat. Like, this makes any sense. It was. And, you know, and, and then afterwards, so I know he's probably looking at me going, what is this young, dumb kid? What is this? He's so stupid. He's so stupid. <laughs> and so I immediately, you know how we are. I'm like, did I pass? And he goes, yeah, you're fine. And he, 
And I went, do you usually know when guy? He goes, oh, I know when people are lying the moment they walk into this room. And I was like, I bet you do. So, well, anyways, I I go through that and got in the academy. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it was really, really good experience. Well, I, help me understand. I don't know Dallas at all. So how, how big of a department is Dallas? So Dallas um, has, and I actually think it's probably changed since I've been there. They have... 59 stations i want to say maybe 60 now they're they're kind of kind of the same thing we're going through that well that we're they're expanding too um you mean they're the city's growing itself. yes yes um and they have i actually think they have more members they have we are close to what 1700 1600 they've got about 2000 members okay so yeah so you it was um similar size i mean they they have a central location like we do with the training academy and um it it, same the city itself is laid out very differently than we ours obviously it's different part of the country um their academy was six months long so a lot it's a very different feel so it's very uh paramilitary so Mm -hmm. very high and tight saluted lieutenants when they walked in um they had you uh, go. Th- they put you through EMT school. So if you haven't been an EMT, I had already been an EMT, but they they put you through their own program. Um, so everybody goes through it, regardless of your certification. Regardless. So yeah. you, they the fire one and two that kind of that we do a lot out here in the West Coast, and that they they train you up from the ground up. They take you from they mold you into all the way up, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that. The academy was um, pretty, pretty um, actually really hard. It's just the length. They did a lot of a lot of timing stuff. So mile and a half was a big mark. So you had to every week they they want you have to improve, maintain or improve your mile and a half. They have a tower for time, so it's up and down a just like our tower, six stories yep. in gear for time improving. Um, some of the other events. What were know, what was the uh... What were some of the minimum qualifications or minimum passing standards? Are you talking like skills wise? No, for like the so you say a mile oh, and a half yeah. run. Like what was the minimum? You know did they drop anybody for performance in that? No. Well, yes, they do, but it was it was more kind of like is is he or she improving? Yes, where it was they did have a time, but none of the guys that I went through the academy with. We're struggling. With we're it. struggling. They were all really good. So, yeah. um, so people showing. This is probably a dumb question, but I feel like it needs to be asked. Do are, were people showing up prepared? Because I feel like there's a, you know, I don't know. This may be kind of mean to today's society, but people aren't as engaged. And there's like, ah, oh, I want to be a firefighter, and they they don't know how to prepare, or they show up ill prepared, and so organizations sometimes are struggling with that. So, I I. Honestly, I think fifty-fifty. I think yeah. half. Some of us were ready physically, or like in shape, and others had to grow. And I think, I mean, that's kind of like it was. It was half and half. I think yeah. there's some of the people struggled more versus some did. But same thing with ours. There's some that they're ready, and some they're not, and some yeah. just take a longer journey to get there. Right. So and, well, I know in, in in our neck of the woods, we do a, a pre academy yep. to try to help people get Absolutely. physically prepared for yep. the rigor of the academy. Absolutely. That being said, our academy being only thirteen weeks long, like you don't have as much time for to to get 
prepared in the the system. So I to will, speak. but I will say going through both, I think harder on my body was ours because yeah. I think a lot of the ones in in Dallas's was a lot of book. There was a more classroom time. Not mm-hmm. to say that, that you weren't outside, but a lot of a morning would be that up until you know eleven, right before lunch is classroom book and it was a lot of that whereas here you show the moment you show up to ours you're PTing, get a breakfast, hosley, hosley, hosley. So it was I I felt like more beat up and tired in the three months versus the six months because there was you know, the classroom stuff, it was yeah. at the end, it was you kinda did it, you know, when you go home and you do it. Um so Yeah. That yeah. makes sense because you have to, you know, you're spreading out the the insult, if you will, over a longer period of time. If yeah. you were to pummel people like that every single day, you'd, your attrition rate would go up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, people would break down. You'd be recycling people. Yeah. And they oh, wouldn't be able to absolutely. get through the class. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what was one of the so, I so what was a, an acceptable mile and a half time? Going back to that question, <sighs> I don't remember. I think, I think you're talking. Like, they want you to be like sub. I want to say like sub 15, which is really kind of slow. Like, that's pretty easy. That's pretty <laughs> You're easy. You're not doing this in gear. I, and I, I, again, I quote, I, I could be totally wrong. Um, so it, it, it really wasn't unobtainable, I guess, in a way. And not yeah. to say that, but it was, it was definitely fairly, fairly that where, you know, yeah. you push yourself and you get better each week. And so right. the one that was the hardest was the tower for time and gear. Mm-hmm. And they kind of build you up like you do it without your gear the first week and then the second week, okay, putting the gear on, then you got your bottle. And it it's like, I mean, it's like the stamina course. It's like any sort of like yeah. a thing where you, you cough for like six days afterwards <laughs> and you're like, why did I do that? Because you're throwing down like a yeah. savage. Yeah, that's a lot of work um, uh, when you're pushing the pace. Yeah. So what, okay, well, what was an acceptable time to do that? That one, I believe was like they want you to be under i want to say like seven minutes eight minutes with just one lap no it's it's a six a six floors three times oh okay yeah i'm sorry oh, I didn't, okay I probably, gosh yeah i was like yeah, one, yeah, yeah, one yeah, lap no, no. you got all that time <laughs> you yeah could, you could almost and again I, these numbers i could be like they could somebody from previously like hey, what are you talking yeah about? if somebody like, from dallas is listening to this yeah, and has it yeah, email me yeah email um, me quade's an idiot yeah <laughs> no it uh yeah so that one that one was so physically challenging and it's like anything you're competitive so sure. there's there's always a couple guys that i was competitive with that What'd you do it in? Oh man, I gotta go two seconds faster, and you know it's so. It but it was fun. The other cool event that you had to pass, which is really cool, is they you had to cut a square hole with a an axe for time. Wow. So basically, your time was they have you roll a truck up, get off the truck, um, have your bottle already on because bottles are in the truck. Mm-hmm. Climb the ladder. Once you get to the roof, cut a with you know just like our our uh, plywood and yeah. Cut. A Do they have it pre-marked so they, they have, you're not yes, you're they, not cheating? Yeah, they have it pre-marked. Um, but that one was another physically taxing one. You know, very skilled. It was that was a cool event. I always I did that one. I was like that. How was sharp cool. did your corners need to be? Uh well, I mean, they show you with the actual. 
the blade of the axe, but really the, if they don't tell you there's no rule, if you flip it over on a flathead and use the flathead, oh, axe, just do a smash. Yeah, you oh. just have a you have a wider width, so yeah. it's gonna that's make way faster, way faster. <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is you know, but if tricks you, of the trade, yeah, baby. Tricks of, and then my the guy my 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 training officer was super cool. He's like, yeah, hey man. I'm not telling you how to do it, but if it were me, this is how I would do it. <laughs> hint, 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 hint. So, yeah, it was a, uh, it was, it was really cool. It was very, like I said, paramilitary, very like old school. Mm. They one of the traditions there is they call it a rookie rope, and you you suppose throughout the academy you wear a rope around your waist. That's kind of always been a tradition they've had for years. There, it's kind of like. After you finish and you graduate, you get to get rid of the rope and actually wear your uniform without something distinguishing you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was super cool. Like That's a, cool. Kind of that old school tradition. Yeah. That was that was really neat. Yeah. That's did you, were you? I'm assuming you guys use the rookie rope for tying knots. Yeah. And practicing your knots and practicing stuff. So it had some knot. practical application. It, it does, and it was it was really cool because it's like a it's a team building thing. Like your second day, hmm. everybody gets the rope, and you have like a class color, and like and it and you always and they don't really tell you what it's like. It's kind of it's a building. It's like a, yeah. a class, um, like a unity. A, thing. Yeah, it was it was it's just cool. It yeah, was really cool. cool. Like, and it, it was cool when you're finished to be like, I don't ever have to wear that <laughs> dumb rope ever again. But then I, you still, I still have it, and I'm like, that's yeah. pretty cool, man. Yeah. Like, I could a, see it being, you know, hanging it on a wall or no, something oh, around your class picture uh, or something. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, um, is Dallas a organizationally kind of paramilitary as well? No, um, no, not there. There's structures more built like um, ours. Ours now. The academy is really the only part of that is paramilitary. They out there in the quote unquote field, out in the everyday, they're they're a little more uh, uniform. Like, well, they have like the college shirt and oh, okay. that that kind of that, which I know a lot of departments do. But no, they're very similar to us with the command uh, site. All of our the stuff that we have, they. They what's different is they have a lieutenant and then a captain. So depending on how big your station is and if it's an engine ladder, if it's just an engine, um, lieutenants are the captain of the engine, and then a captain is usually once you promote the captain, you're on a ladder. So it's um, a little bit different structure. Um, yeah. So, but other than paramilitary, it was really just the academy. Yeah, were you guys doing like boot shining and uniform inspections yeah. and oh, all? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, that is it's interesting. I when when I came through uh, the academy here, I had this. You know, I was a marine back in the day, and yep. so that was my expectation. Mm-hmm. So I showed up with you know spit shine boots and yeah, and uh, you know my pants were pressed the whole nine yards. And I'm looking around. And I'm like, uh, I am not following. Oh, this is not the model. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> way more laid back and um, yeah. and a lot lot less. You know, it is a uniform service, but yeah. it's not as paramilitary as mm-hmm. some organizations are. You yeah, know? absolutely. So for sure. Yeah, way more laid back. So what's something that, you know, when you, so you had to go through the academy again, obviously, when you came, when yep. you decided to come absolutely. to Phoenix, you go yep. through the academy. And how was that experience? It was awesome. Um, it was, it was, I think, I I felt like because I had already had that experience prior with Dallas and coming here, 
wasn't like a, a jump start, but I I kind of knew what to expect physically, demand, the learning curve, and kind of being able to kind of be like an encouragement to people that haven't gone through that, being able to help them. Um, well, yeah, you're like, dude, suck it up. This could be six months oh, long. <laughs> yeah, it could be longer. No, I, it, but what I think what was really good about it is it just kind of, I think I was honestly from the skill level being able to have a baseline skill quote unquote and then kind of start from the bottom again and build my i felt like my skills were to get better or just reamp like okay this is why you know what i mean like the baseline recruit level stuff that you learn as you kind of progress and being able to to already have some and then learn the phoenix way and build it just made me I think it just I felt like it made my skills better honestly yeah. um not to say that I have these you know um, um skills no I, but I meant to like just as for me learning it just made my learning a- able to grasp being able to be, oh okay that that yeah. totally makes sense well the the fundamentals are so important to to being effective and if you you know you learn it and then you step away from it, and then you come back and you revisit it. Yeah, like, that's it's only going to make you better. Yeah, right. And then you have this baseline to start from, so you have a you're a lot more comfortable with the fundamental skill set. So now you can focus on being more efficient Absolutely. and more skilled, yeah. and and focus on kind of the, um, you know, instead of being at one on one level, now you're focused at kind of you know the four hundred level or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You're able to take it to that next place. I really felt like that. I really did. Yeah. I, it was and. Every all the recruit training uh, RTOs that are down there, and everybody that's involved with that from the pre account, all, all everybody just wants they just bring this positive energy of trying to get you better, and and so it was, it was awesome. It was just like a, and I I always told my my dad and my brother, I'm like, this is so cool. Like this, our training academy is legit. This is awesome, and. And they got sick of t- – my dad's like, yeah, I know. He told, I mean, he told me that last week. He was like, no, Dad, it's awesome. We did this. He goes, yeah, I know. I've already done it. I tried to tell you before, I, but, but you had to go to Dallas. I know. That's, <laughs> it's funny. When I, you know, when I graduated the academy, I was, yeah, finally, I told you. He goes, I can rest easy now that you right. you made a good choice. You came back. So, that's yeah, so but funny. it was – like I said, I feel like Phoenix's academy was – physically and i my academy was not the summer so those those people that do it in the summer those those are the real heroes man that is but the everyday grind of it's a grind man it really is like you all day hose lays you'd beat up like you, i mean it if you're not in shape you were gonna leave there in yeah, shape broken because, down or in oh, shape <laughs> man yeah, absolutely yeah oh it's so what's um you know, when you, well, actually, I have a question for you. As, this may seem obvious because your dad was on the job, et cetera, but what drew you to the fire service? That's a really good question. I, and this is so cliche, like this is the cliches thing you'll ever hear, but I grew up around the fire station. Obviously, you know, that's, I am who I am because of my dad and being around it, like my dad is my hero, my, the person, if I can be half the man my dad is, but I honestly just, I don't know, like 10 years old, I was there one day and it was just like, I'm going to do this. In my head, I was either going to uh, play major league baseball or be a fireman. 
and we're sitting here today. So like I'm <laughs> see how that worked. I, out. I didn't play for the Dodgers, so I'm not you know. And honestly, I just, I just, I always knew that I was kind of made in a way that was service, and I couldn't do a nine to five. That wasn't my gig. I just that wasn't gonna be my my way. And I, I think, I think what definitely helped is having my dad and my grandfather, like they just kind of, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I just knew I, and that, not, that doesn't happen for everybody, but since yeah. I was a little kid, I was like, yeah, be in the big leagues or in the other big leagues with Phoenix. So dream realized baby. Here yeah. You are. <laughs> I, I, I really do. I really feel really blessed. I feel completely like a dream job. I really do. It's like yeah. every yesterday when I went to shift, I was just like, how cool is this? I'm going to go hang out with some friends, couple calls, couple meals. There's Thursday night football. Like it's, it's like, it's hard to, I get paid to do that. You know, like it, it's, it was, right. it's super, like it was every time I, I've really never felt like I've gone to work in my, in my small pocket of time as a fireman. Yeah. I, I find myself, you know, reflecting on that a lot when people say things like, Oh, thank you for your service or whatever. And I think, Oh, no, thank you that I have this opportunity. Cause I love every yeah, day that I get up. I, I, I love to do my job. I love to, in every facet that I've had the opportunity to work in the fire service, yeah. I've always found an appreciation for what we get to do yeah. and the privilege that it is to be able to serve in the community. Yeah. And, um, you know, I find myself talking frequently about, um, purpose and you know the it's really wonderful to have an occupation that is that where I feel like I am uh, have a a real purpose and a real um, uh, objective that is helpful to the community yeah at least for me that's how I paint the, how how I uh, draw my motivation is in that purpose yeah I, I agree like you it is it's it's really cool to be able, you really can impact a lot of people at, you just, people, when they call 911, they need help. And if that's like comforting that your, your water is off to a, you know, a right side of them, like you're, you're being able to help people. And that's like, what, there's very few jobs in the world like that get to impact people's lives. I mean, it's still, to me, it's still the coolest thing I think is the kid part. Like I, I carry stickers in my brush pants just because like that's a big I mean we all remember that when you're like 4 to 6 years old like oh my gosh there's a fire like there's a fire truck look at that like yeah. it, it's I never want to take that for granted because I it is a privilege I mean it it's it's like we were talking about earlier it's like that's what this what the citizens are paying for and you got to treat it with respect for sure so yeah that I'm trying to think back to what we were talking about exactly because we we were talking for quite a while before I hit record, um, but oh I know what we're talking about we're talking about you talking about expectations right yeah. so yeah what are those expectations I can't remember I can't remember the quote that I was trying to share I know it was but, it was the uh, old New York fireman quote that yeah uh, but are, are are you asking like from me or what the public expects well what do you yeah so well, what do you think the public expects of us I think. Honestly, when they call nine one one, they were they they expect us to get there timely in a timely fashion, mm-hmm. and but they also I think 
for me personally, I feel like it's a positive, a good attitude and a willingness to help. And if that's, again, from the cat, like the, the cat in the tree that is so famously over the decades or a, they're having a stroke or you're having some sort of event or we're having, you know, their worst day with some sort of any sort of call. I think the public expects us to come in with a good attitude, a willingness to help, and very knowledgeable. I think I think this job being on top of your medic protocols to your firefighting skills, like that is what they're paying for. Yeah. And if you can't take that lightly because it's like we were talking like if I go to a steak dinner with my wife, I'm not paying twenty eight dollars for the soda and the veggies. I'm paying for the steak that's this chef that's had all the schooling to prepare for me. That I, I'm not going to it better to, be freaking delicious. It better be delicious. <laughs> it better be medium, like cooked well to medium. But but I think that's the same thing when we talk about what the public expects. Like they expect us to show up and, you know, if that's, you know, like that call where the, the elderly lady, can you lock our door? Absolutely, we can lock your door. Can we grab your shoes? Absolutely, we can grab your shoes. That's what they're paying for. That's like, that is what we get. So expectations. And, and I think the other one I didn't throw in there is physically fit. That one, I, you have to look like you physically can do the job. Now, you've got guys in the, the job that are ex-NFL that look like Goliath that you're just like, oh, my gosh. That guy, I hope that guy doesn't go down. Oh, please don't <laughs> let drag him go down. Or you have guys that you're like, if you need a door kicked in or a truck lifted up, you're like, oh, I know a guy. Uh, yeah. he, uh, he can do that. Right. But physically – they present themselves well, like, you know, and I think that's what they're paying for. Because throughout the history of this job, people have always had this image of what we are. And it's our job to uphold that image. Because right. especially in this day and age, this world is so crazy now that we need to be like that positive light. That's me personally. Yeah. Well, I think I agree with you um, on everything that you said there. The The expectations that the community have has for us is a little bit surprising, right? Because it's, they expect a, uh, a world-class athlete. They expect a surgeon, yep. um, you know, and they expect, uh, you know, uh, an electrician and a, uh, uh, a mechanical engineer, yeah. right? So the, these expectations are very high. So we, we come jumping off the truck and they expect this high level of, perf- of expectation. And what I would say is, you know, we look at that and go, well, I expect you to be professional, Right when I step off the truck, I expect that I'm going to be a pro. Yeah. Um. And so that you know, as we look at the the world, the operational context that we we have to function in, yep. it is an all hazards environment. Yeah. And so yeah, you have to be physically robust. You have to have some. You have to use the brains that are in your head yeah. and and be smart, right? And develop your skills, your knowledge, and your 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 body of of operational knowledge, but you're also your, your kind of worldly knowledge your political yeah. savvy, et cetera. You have to develop that stuff so that, cause you're working in all these different environments yeah. where, where the expectations are dynamic yeah. and you have to be able to act. I, and I, I look at it this way too, is the, uh, you are a representative of the fire chief. Exactly. And so, uh, most people who call 911, the overwhelming majority, 99.9% of them will never meet the fire chief face to face. And you are the ambassador for the fire department, so you better represent well. Yeah, exactly. Right? So you better look. You better look good. 
look the part, look like a pro, and then behave like a pro yeah. and bring your knowledge, skills, and abilities to bear on the call. Yeah, exactly. So don't show up and be like, well, and this is what we kind of what drove us down this road, right, was you're not a dumb fireman. Yeah. And when you're just like, oh, I'm just a dumb fireman. No. No, you're not. No. Well, it, it, but <laughs> maybe you are. But <laughs> maybe you are. But you're you're getting you're not getting paid to just be a dumb farm. Like that's exactly right. That you're not. Like I collect a paycheck. Is it a great paycheck? And providing for my wife and kids and all of that in the intro, like all of that, absolutely. But the bottom level, Rain, like the 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 bottom level is I get paid a a rate. To be to do certain skills and to be good at those skills and to be knowledgeable about those skills to be physically fit because, like we look at professional athletes, you look at LeBron James just won the Dodgers. These guys that are champions, they're getting paid gazillions of dollars because of their skill set. Like, yeah, do they? Right. That's a different argument of how much they should getting paid. <laughs> but you know, bottom line is, they're getting paid to perform and to be good at what they do. Right. So are we. We're perf- we, we're yeah. industrial athletes. I, I know that term is used all the time, but that's what we are. We our our job, it for twenty five years minimum, is to get paid to perform. And it's if you know it, it's not always a working house fire where you get to do right handers like all the the cool stuff. No, it's also the helping somebody change a tire. It's on the side of the road. That just happened to. Me and my rescue partner the other day had a flat tire. They right by the station. We can totally help you. Like, I'm sorry that happened to you. Look, that's that is what we get paid. To. That's representing the fire chief. But it's also what I'm collecting my paycheck for is right. to have some skill sets and right. And I like I love that analogy that you use. It's like you have a a surgeon. You got like a dent. Like all these. Like every so and. Firemen have so many different backgrounds. So there's a guy in the truck. I guarantee there's a guy in the truck that's done plumbing. There's a guy that's done some electrical construction. There's a guy that knows, you know, how to. Let me. I can do that with your phone. Like, yeah. Well, and and we're professional problem solvers. Yeah. So we're we have to bring our skills to bear on the call, but and and we have to do it in a way that uh, appears that we've actually seen this before. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> when people get they start yelling or they get they get freaked out on a call. Um, and they, they lose their bearing. Yeah. Well, we, we're the pros, right? The folks who are calling us are the ones who are, who deserve to panic, right? Absolutely. So if we're, act- we're yeah, but if we are not, if we don't have a well-maintained skill set, then we're going to panic. Absolutely. Right? Cause we're supposed to know how to do something and instead we're going to know, we know that. And, and because we come up short, we're going to, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to do things that are. Uh, inappropriate, and yeah. and we may contribute to the problem on the scene. Yeah, and so that to me is the height of unprofessionalism. And I, and now you know, I'll talk to our volley friends here. You know, it professionalism isn't just about collecting a paycheck necessarily. It's about the quality of the skills that you bring. Yeah, to the incident. Absolutely. And um, and we're talking whether it is a uh, a fire or a special operations call of some sort, hazmat or TRT or, or whatever. Now the, the world that we live in being all hazards, you know, co- combined with the EMS component of yeah. it, um, we're required to maintain a very robust skill set. Absolutely. So how do we do that? You know, and this is again, me personally, but I feel like, and I'm very lucky. I, I work somewhere where a lot of training, 
a lot of like they always get a booter so there's a constant let's go train let's go do this to me personally i think it's just being really good at the baseline skills and working on those skills and i've always thought about it you don't get really good at shooting hitting a target when you shoot unless you shoot you can't just expect to hit the center mark of a target eight out of ten times if you haven't been putting in the three hundred you know the three hundred shots prior. That's the same with us. We have a very specific skill set like we just talked about, like taking a plug. You gotta be able to take a plug in a certain amount of time and know the skill set to be able to problem solve. What if you can't get that plug? Same with taking a hose line. We have different hose lines now, the Cleveland load, the triple load, you've got a quick pull. These different types you gotta know how to do that. And the only way you do that is doing that. Hey, I, like I've I've oh. done it roving. I remember very young my roving. I go to a place that doesn't. I was like, hey, I don't mean to bother you guys, but is there any way I could take a plug and pull a line today? And the one guy goes, yeah, absolutely, let's do it. And that's how you get better. Like that's what I think is just doing the skills because that's where you mess up is in that. Like you have to, you got to do training to mess up to learn from that. The other day. I did a I did a plug that was next to an electrical box. I should have I went too narrow. A safety thing I should have taken when I took the plug should have gone a little wider so that mm-hmm. I have more room for the loop. I'd never been in that complex. It was my the backseat guy was like, "Hey, this is why we do that." Learning. Oh, thank you for that. Like I that's learning. If you don't do that, you're not you're not getting better, not learning. Same with me, like medic protocols too, like as a brand new medic, I have not had a certain amount of calls. I want to go to a senior medic and be like, "Hey, I don't, I don't mean to bother you. I know it's like eleven thirty, but can we go over a difficulty breathing protocol?" Sure, man, let's do that. I, that's what I think, and yeah. especially. Well, it, and what I would say to you is that all of our skills are perishable, and if we're not yeah. constantly busting the rust on the fundamentals, you can't expect to develop more advanced skill sets if you're not if your fundamentals are weak. So a simple example is um, if you struggle with pulling a cross lay, which I know people are like, who struggles with that? Right. But you can't possibly be making good decisions and sizing up the fire ground uh, on the move. If you're thinking, uh, you know, swim, grab, stab, like, wait, which is it? Is it, where's the, where's the nozzle going to go? If you're focused on the fundamental skill set, you're not looking at the building. You're not sizing up the situation and making good decisions. Yeah. So, so you're, so you're still stuck at fireman one one And, and that I watched it, you know, I watched a very seasoned firefighter put an overhand knot in an inch and three quarter one what? day. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think you could do it on purpose if you tried. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how he did it, but, but the point being is he hadn't pulled a cross lay in a long time and he did it wrong and managed to feed the nozzle through a loop somehow and created an overhand knot right in the middle of a 200 foot extent line well and i think to kind of go back i think exactly if you're 101 but i also think for me i've always looked at the training and stuff you got to be willing to put yourself out there and fail like that i think that's the whole point of training and I think for whatever reason, sometimes in our job, it's you're scared to make a mistake because you don't want to look you don't want to look like a dummy, or you don't you don't want to let them know you don't know. Like, right? If you, for me, it's you have to be willing to be like, yeah, I totally messed that up. I messed that up. I'm sorry. I did. 
and it's 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 that you have to have that willingness it's i think that's a mental toughness thing if you mentally you have to get over the fact like you might look like a superstar or you're going to look like somebody that's never done it but either way it's worth doing for the learning experience for that call because bottom line like you're saying i'm getting paid by the city to know how to do that and if i'm not training on that's unprofessional honestly right I, yeah. but maybe but that's the way i so look at it so i think it's it. a there's a bit of a culture problem there right so culturally we are we shame one another right when someone's makes a mistake or or what have you and that and that leads to uh, an unwillingness to be vulnerable yeah right i don't want to show you my my uh area of weakness because you're going to poke it or pick it right right if i show you my scars my scabs you're just going to pluck them off yeah exactly right so we have to be we you know and this is i'm saying this is just kind of an absolute but we do need to be more willing to allow people room for error right you're not you know if you make a mistake you're not a f- you failed doesn't make you a failure no right we have to have kind of a growth mindset here and a willingness to continue to yeah. develop ourselves um uh because for for lack of that, we're the longer we just sit here in in our shame and don't actually uh, can work on our dis, our, our um, discrepancies, they're just going to get worse, and we're yeah. just going to get more ashamed because the longer we wait, the the bigger the problem is going to be. Absolutely. And then you suddenly you've got ten years on the job, and you haven't taken a you know you haven't uh, uh, honed your skill set, and someone's like, hey. Uh, Tell me about how to do this. And you're like, oh, gosh, yeah. Well, I, I can't don't remember. I mean, you, you've got a lot of time on the job. And a guy that's got barely almost four years, almost, you know, it would be seven total. I, I don't feel at all like I have any sort of like arrived. I feel like every day I, I don't. And I never want to feel that way because I think that's another misconception is like, Oh, you know, if you you put in your time, you you'll kind of arrive as like this, this senior fireman. That's, yeah, you're gonna, you'll definitely have more knowledge than like maybe a lower level guy that's a newer. But you never want to just be happy with no. Can can we get better? Can I learn? Right. And I, and that's I mean that's a personal thing for me yeah. because I I try to do that too in my life as a in, in my personal life as a husband, as a father. I mean, if you have kids and you have responsibilities and bills like wow, we should have done that better with our money. Or, yeah, my, my kid was telling me this. And, I or you know, I I think that's just a mindset. And yeah. I, I, well, I, I would agree with you. I think the minute you think you've got it all figured out, you're just going to suffer a massive catastrophe. Yeah. <laughs> because there's just, you have to continuously be looking for opportunities to grow, Absolutely. right? And, and you, you, know, you brought up your personal life, right? Like there's so many places where we can improve ourselves with our family, with our wives, our children, our friends and family yeah. and, and uh, you know, finding ways to uh, level up our game, so to speak, yeah, right? Seriously, yeah, seriously, in, in every aspect of our lives, right? Yeah. The, um, the thing that kind of, you know, the, the example that stands out to me so profoundly is throughout my life, my physical fitness has always been evolving and changing, Right. As my body grows and changes, you know, and, and, and as my hormones change as you know, my body is evolving as the impacts of the job affect me, my fitness has to, 
my the way I train has to change. Absolutely, and I have to be mindful of that. And that's the key. The key word there is that I'm mindful and actively engaged in assessing what I'm doing with myself, right? Yeah, and and paying attention because there's wind. And I learned this the hard way. There was windows of time where I didn't pay attention, and I gained a bunch of weight, and I turned into a little fat lump. <laughs> and I was it turned around one day, and I'm like, oh my heavens, this is not where I, this is not who I am in my brain, and and this is not what I want for myself. But but. But I think you, A, you got to that point and you're like, well, I don't want to be that way. But you made a conscious choice like, hey, hey, man, you have to look in the mirror and be like, hey, bro, like you can't, you need to change something. So who, and, so who was I honest with? Yourself. 100%. And that's, that's what it, and I think we're going, this all stems back with the, with the training. You have to be honest with yourself. And that's where, like, with the training, if you don't feel comfortable with high-rise training, if you don't work at a downtown station, I, I don't know anything about high-rise. Can we go over that? Sure. Like that's it. That's looking at yourself, going. You're putting yourself out there, saying, "Hey, I. These are senior guys that know what they're doing," and being like, "Hey, same with the physical fitness." Like, right. And for me, like I agree with you. Physical fitness is. It starts. It doesn't start with that with the job, but it's a huge factor. If you let that slide just a little bit, you're gonna let everything else because you're not gonna want to get hot and sweaty at nine in the morning to pull in lines in the middle of summer. No, I you know I guess no. Physical fitness is such a key to this job, but I also think it's a good stress relief for this job too because you you gotta have you gotta blow off the steam with the 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 terrible calls, the stupid calls. The fun calls, I think it's, I mean, it. I agree with you that you have to stay on top of that because it's an ever-changing environment. Like, I, for me personally, that's the way I look at it, so. Yeah. What other, you know, totally forgot what I was going to ask you. Uh, <laughs> my brain, speaking of, of getting old. Um, <laughs> uh, I've okay. got, did you, I've got a question for you. Yeah, what do you got? So I know that, and I know you've talked about it, but when you had, you got cancer. Yes. Did you, having that mindset of like, hey, you know, changing and being somebody that's trying to always change, did that, did you feel, nobody's prepared to deal with that in their life, but did you feel like it was just another obstacle that you were going to overcome or was it more like a, wow, like. I don't know what to do. Did you feel like because you've been doing that your whole life, like, hey, I'm I'm been trying to get better here, and like, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, I will. Well, first of all, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite. Not a hypocrite. This is the right word. Um, I feel like I didn't really earn my stripes as a cancer survivor because I. The story. Um, what happened was that when I woke up from my surgery, the surgeon says, "Hey, um, remember when I told you that your that tumor was." non-cancerous well i'd like to introduce you to your oncologist and i'm like what and i was still stoned out of my mind Uh, yeah i had no idea i was completely stoned and i'm like uh okay um sounds good and the the oncologist like all right we're gonna look at your tumor and we're gonna study it and we'll let you know uh, what exactly it is and i'm like okay sounds good doc and then they left and i'm like hmm now what yeah (laughs) and so it wasn't until about four or five days later i'm starting to wean off all the meds and I'm in the car with my wife, and, and I'm Googling appendemoma, which is the type of cancer that I have. I'm appendemoma, appendemoma. And I go, honey, this is a, I have, I had cancer. And she's like, 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, you had cancer. But the thing was is that they had they got the entire tumor out. So technically I was cancer free and there was no need for chemo or radiation or whatever. So I went from not having cancer to having cancer to being a cancer survivor in a, literally a fraction of a second. Yeah. In my brain. In your brain. And, and so I felt like you know, I, I burst into tears and I started laughing at the same time because I was just overwhelmed with this emotion. Yeah. And shocked because the the tumor was shocking enough, but it was a really fast uh, evolution yeah. f- determining that I had a tumor to having surgery because it was in my spine. It had to come out right away. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, by the way, it was cancer. And now it's not cancer, but now I, it was overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and so it took me a minute to digest kind of what had happened to me because it all went down in about a week's time. Yeah. Uh, well, two weeks' time. And in the aftermath, you know, I'm dealing with some neurological damage that's left over from the tumor, which I talk about all the time, and people probably tell you about it. And I turned to, okay, as an athlete, as, an, as a tactical athlete, as an industrial athlete, how is my job different? How is my body different? Right. And what, what can I do? Yeah. Versus... You know, I got hung up for a minute there because I, I don't run anymore because my floppy foot makes it really uncomfortable. So um, so the question is, is who am I as an athlete now? Because yeah. I used to define myself as a runner um, because I used to do all kinds of long, crazy long distance running. And so they kind of got taken away from me. Yeah. Okay. Who am I now? What am I going to do differently? Can I still train jujitsu? Box checked. Yes, I can. Okay. But running around the mat for warm up. Irritating as hell um, because I can't run properly. Right. It makes me feel like a gimpy old, yeah. you know, weirdo. So that's a challenge. Um, but I can still train jujitsu, yeah. right? What can I do in the gym? You know, I'm doing a lot more yoga now because my body is imbalanced a lot of the time because yeah. of the floppy foot, that's so. and um, and doing a lot of hiking. So yeah, so I had to redefine a little bit about who I was. Does that answer your question? No, I, I did, <laughs> and I, but I think like what I got from it was. It was already ingrained in you. It wasn't like uh, running. Oh, it's over. I can't run anymore. No, it was like, you know what? Screw running. I, I didn't even like it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even like it. Yeah. Now I can do something else. And that's, I think that goes to the mindset we're talking about with the training and all that stuff. Because if if you weren't like that, then it would have just been, you know, you would, you let it, you just didn't let it beat you, I guess, is the thing. Right. Like, and that I, that's what I was looking for is to see, like, if you if you're like that the baseline with these skills and then you get something hard like in your life with that with your family like you're willing to be like okay I'm going to adapt and change here and get better right I think that's the I, I would call it a growth mindset yeah right the you know the idea that you can fail at something or something bad can happen to you and uh, okay so now what. Right. Like, so, so this, what? this pushed me off this path and now I'm on this path, you know, and in terms of the fire service, right. I take my first captain's test. I didn't get promoted and I was really disappointed. Right. I failed in my eyes. Right. right. But I'm not a failure. So go, okay, go prepare for the next one. Right. Yeah. What, what did, and then I sat in the back and I said, I'm going to re I'm going to evaluate what I brought to the table. What did I, what did I do wrong? What could I do better? Yeah. How can I improve myself? What, what things, what holes in my preparation holes, holes in your game, holes in my game. That's exactly where I was going. Like what are the, the gaps that I could fix to be better? And I think that's an important part of, um, who we are as individuals. So it starts with being honest with ourselves. It starts with recognizing that we're responsible 
for our own development. Yeah. You know, so many times I've heard guys say, well, the department hasn't done any training, right? That's baloney. And, and so we as, we as individual operators, uh, individual firefighters need to take charge of our training. Absolutely. For our own personal skill set and for the skill sets of those around us, right? If you're a company officer, if you're a battalion chief, you need to be getting out and assessing the the, the capacity of your people and providing and then figuring out ways to help them get trained. Well, because, and and I look at that like sports, the military, like they, let's say on a basketball team, you've got the power forward and you've got the center. Their job on a truck on a truck on the court is tall guy rebounds, get a dunk. Same with baseball. I've got a catcher. His job is to catch and receive, make the pitcher look good. Same with on the fire truck. You've got an engineer. His job is to be proficient at pumping. My two backseat guys, plug times exactly what you're saying. Like you gotta know your roles and who's good at what and who because yeah. everybody's got different skills. You gotta have certain minimum standards, but some guys hey man, like like we were saying, you've got some Goliaths that, oh, we had to do forcible entry. No, we don't. We got Goliath. Goliath's right. going to get the door open. You know, like you got to know your roles. Right. That's And that, that team sport, like that's so important to me, like knowing your role. Yeah. Position, that, of, position and function is really important when we think about yeah. that, right? The it, as, a, as a company officer, when I turn around and look back at my crew, I need to know that they're going to be able to carry out the their specific functions. Period. As a battalion chief, same thing. When I look at my rosters, who who's going to show up? What can I assign them to do? What is their capacity, right? And as an individual in the back seat, you need to look at your partner firefighter and say, hey, I know that if I do this one thing, he's going to meet me at a certain location and we're going to get the next thing done, right? Like it's, and that only is, that it, that only comes with time in, right? Time in, in, in live operations, real operations, and then and then also in training. Those yeah. things have to happen. And I hear people say all the time, oh, we don't get as much fire as we used to, blah, blah, blah. That may be true. Um, but you're still responsible for the skill set. So well, if you're waiting for real operations to get your skill set, then you're, you're good. Well, be- but it goes back to what we talked about. Yeah, yes, we, pr- we do not get – when you first came on the job and then when my dad came on the job, the, the generation before, yeah, we're not fighting as much fire as them. But we're still collecting a paycheck that represents that we have a skill set that regardless if we're getting one fire every month or two fires a shift, yeah. you have the same skill set they're paying for. And like if you're – that's like we don't have as many fires, so we're going to have to train more so that we can be proficient because we're not getting those live operations like you're talking about. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Like it's – I, it's, that's so important. And the physical fitness, man, like that is such a, a huge part of this job. And yeah, it's, it's important to me. Yeah. The, uh, you know, we, the, there's so many things that we talk about that we've just covered here in, in gosh, in an hour that is, you know, the focus of the individual firefighter, the company the battalion, the the organization, yeah. right? And we're all these the skill sets that we're required to maintain is so critical because we're working to accomplish a mission. A mission that is focused on providing service yeah. to the community, to people who are potentially in harm's way. Um, whether it be they're suffering from a, a medical emergency or they're trapped by a fire. Yeah. Right. 
those are kind of the two big things we deal with, right? Or they're stranded on the mountaintop or they're, um, or a tanker rolled over and is leaking toxic chemicals and the whole community is exposed, right? Like these are, um, these are big deals and they're, they're things that affect us at a very personal level and at a community wide level. And we are responsible for being, you know, agents of change in those environments. Absolutely. So it's a big, big deal. And I think individually we all need to take it more. We need to take our responsibility more seriously. Absolutely. And, and just constantly be reevaluating what we bring to the table and what our strengths and weaknesses are so that we can, um, so that we can provide the best product to, to the customer. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, this is a, this is a service job. You get like, yeah. the light goes off, you go. And that's what we're trying to be better at your, at your craft and the service. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's crazy. There's a lot, but as much as like, we're talking about, Hey, this has got to change this. There's a lot of good people that are doing that too. And it's a lot of, there's, there's, I think sometimes, I think human beings, we do that as we, oh, we got to change this or do this. But really, there's a lot of, most people, most firemen on Phoenix are just really good dudes, good dudes and girls that really just want to do a good job. And it, that is, it is fun. It makes such a difference to have people that, you know, like same mindset that it just, it's just, it's a great job. And it's really fun to be a part of it for me personally. Well, let me uh, let me ask you a couple of rapid fire questions okay. here, and we'll, and we'll wrap up because we're getting we're on an hour. Um, favorite part of the job? The the um, social aspect, the 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 station life. I just love being there with just whatever it is. If that's a ping pong tournament, pickleball tournament, just the joking that just being a part of the guys and the girls at the station, just being the station life, the the people. I think, I mean, everybody wants to fight fire and do all that, but the the just being there, like it's so cliche, working with your friends. That's what it is every day. Like you get to work with your friends. That's my favorite part is just being there with the family. It's just your family. You just hang out with family. Good, bad, and different. You're with your family. Like you got to go on your call with the family. So that's that's me, my favorite part. Okay. Favorite position on the baseball field? Uh, I was, I was a catcher in first base. So I'm going to say first base was my, I liked, I really liked first base. You got the reach for first base. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. That, or, that or just DH. I just, my thing was, I loved to hit. That was my, that was my favorite part of the game. Yeah. Not to say defense, I mean, defense wins championships and whatever, but <laughs> you got to score runs to win too. So, but first base was my favorite position. Nice. What uh, what mustache wax are you running? So good question. So people, you have quite I, quite the stash. So there's there. a story behind this. Okay, so t- do tell. So just like most guys that are getting off probation, you've been clean shaven for a year. I never really grew one. I grew a little one in Dallas, but it's like no, I just you know started growing it. I got off probation. It was that salty guy. Like, I'm growing a mustache. I'm doing it. So I started growing it and. It, you know, it starts at the terrible, like, penciled in, and it kind of gets thick. And it took me it's about three months. So I I tried to grow Fu Manchu, like a Fu Manchu comes. Mm-hmm. My dad can grow a really nice one. It just 
beautiful. It's gorgeous. You look at it and you're like, that is just, the that's epitome. a man. Well, it's a man. You're like, that's mm. a man. <laughs> I get like patches on the sides. I can't, cr- like it literally just like, so I'm looking at this and I met my, <laughs> I I met my wife and I'm, I'm in like in the in-between stages of this mustache is how I met her. So she is probably looking at this going, wow, that is, uh, you know, like uh, that's, wow, okay. Like, yeah, it, you it, think that's cool, huh? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> Questioning your I, judgment. <laughs> yeah. So I started to realize, hey, instead of growing down, my the hair grows out. I'm going to do the, like the Doc Holiday kind of like the twist. So experimented with a lot of stuff what i found is the clay like hair gel like clay it's like a print it's just like clay it's like a little moldy clay little tips on the finger and roll it up and keeps it good all day it is funny though so you're using like hold on so it's not even like mustache no i don't using like legit clay yeah like legit like clay that the the hairstyles people found, I, I got some, I don't know where I got it. And I was like, oh, this might work. And it holds the best. Now I do, there's a lot of, you found it in your kids' arts and craft boxes. Yeah, pretty much. I got Play-Doh, you know, I'm putting Play-Doh <laughs> in my lip. Uh, yeah, it holds it the best. I, so I've been running it for, I, I shaved it recently, probably like six months ago and it's grown back. Uh, when I got married, you say that like it had a mind of its own. <laughs> it, well, yeah, I seriously. Uh, when I got married, like the wedding day is coming up, and I asked her one time. I said, "Babe, can I get married in this mustache?" And she said, "Yes." Never talked about it again. <laughs> Rolled into wedding day, I got the mustache, and forever have these photos. So yeah, that's what I run. It's kind of like. Uh, I guess it's like my look. My four-year-old daughter, when I shaved it off, she goes, what happened to your mustache? And I went, well, Daddy just shaved it. I don't like it, Dad. And I went, you don't like <laughs> She goes, I like your mustache. And I went, okay. My wife loves it, so okay. She's right. the boss. So I, That's she, right. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you got to you gotta run the mustache if mama digs it. Yeah, that, hey, that's what <laughs> the boss says, so. Oh, man. Well, hey, man, I appreciate, the, appreciate you sitting down. Any final thoughts? No, I I just like I appreciate you having me on uh, on here. All the guests that you've had are awesome. Um, I appreciate you doing this. I mean, it's a, I think it's a really positive thing that's helping a lot of people, and it's just it's awesome, man. I think it's this is a cool thing that you're really like making an impact, like that being that light and impact. I think you're doing that oh, with this podcast, well, man. Too so, kind. I appreciate your no, kind. but I, I appreciate. I, appreciate, I really appreciate you having me on. It was it was a. Uh, pretty cool so i appreciate it right on man if uh, folks want to check out your mustache on social media where would they find it i'm just on i'm on the instagram and it's just quaid um under is that underscore mckinnon just my name yeah you'll see it's just my whole instagram is just me my wife and the kids it's just a heavy mustache and kids (laughs) and wife so perfect right on brother thanks again no problem Hey, that's all we got for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Special thanks to Quaid for taking time out of his day to sit and wrap with us. If you're enjoying the Fireground Fitness Podcast, I highly recommend that you go and subscribe on whatever platform you're enjoying. Uh, Whatever platform is available to you, you will find this podcast everywhere. 
if you have any thoughts or feedback, uh, feel free to reach out via email and uh, or go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and a rating. That'd be great. All your feedback is greatly appreciated. And uh, that being said, take the lessons and the values and the things that you're hearing here and learning here and go out and employ them in your own life. Go on out there. Get some.